sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hello and welcome to a Thursday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid in Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM all across the SportsGrid Network. I am Ben Stevens. This show each and every weekday starts at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And on this Thursday, August 4th at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, that was the deadline for the National Football League if the league office wanted to appeal Judge Sue L. Robinson's ruling for Deshaun Watson's discipline for the 2022 NFL campaign. And yesterday afternoon, within that 72-hour window from Robinson's ruling on Monday morning, the NFL decided it will appeal Robinson's ruling. So the appeal has been put in place from the National Football League office. This happened around 4 p.m. Eastern time yesterday afternoon, the league deciding to appeal Judge Sue L. Robinson's ruling so as we take you through the stages of what this appeal process is going to look like we'll have our legal analyst dan lust join us in our next segment to break down the entire legal process but i think if you're just a casual football fan who has been following the many many wrinkles of this deshaun watson story the first question you might ask is why is the league office doing this why is the nfl appealing when it was their system put into place for the first time using the independent judge in Sue L. Robinson, jointly appointed by both the league and the National Football League Players Association to oversee Deshaun Watson's disciplinary hearing process. Well, here's what we know. If you read through the 16-page report from Judge Robinson in her decision to hand down only a six-game suspension of Deshaun Watson in 2022, what you will have found is that Judge Robinson and the National Football League agreed that Deshaun Watson had violated in multiple instances the NFL's personal conduct policy and had engaged in behavior that was sexual assault. Judge Robinson even said in her report that Deshaun Watson expressed a lack of remorse, engaged in predatory behavior, and this was the most egregious situation the NFL had ever reviewed. So they agreed, did Judge Robinson, that the NFL met the burden of proof that Deshaun Watson had violated the NFL's personal conduct policy and engaged in sexual assault and sexual misconduct against massage therapists and the four women the NFL presented in its case. However, the disagreement comes from the actual discipline itself. Sue Robinson, in her ruling, pretty much said because of the NFL's past transgressions and how it had handled its disciplinary processes in the past, there was no precedent to suspend Deshaun Watson for what the NFL was seeking for one year. Because, as she said, the NFL, based on that lack of precedent and an unfair amount of time given to players based on that personal conduct policy, that the NFL was trying to equate, as she deemed it, although I would disagree and the NFL certainly does, non-violent sexual conduct with sexual violence or violent conduct that had violated the personal conduct policy in years past. So based on that precedent and the lack of procedure set by the NFL, there was no way Deshaun Watson could be suspended for a year, and that's how she came to the conclusion of the six-game suspension. However, that is what the appeal is arguing. The appeal is not arguing the findings 
of the case because Judge Sue L. Robinson agrees with the NFL that Deshaun Watson violated the personal conduct policy and the National Football League in its case met the burden of proof that Deshaun Watson violated the personal conduct policy of the league. Quickly, a welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience, Sirius XM Channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. We are taking you through the National Football League's appeal of Judge Sue L. Robinson's ruling in the six-game suspension handed down to Deshaun Watson. The NFL issuing that appeal yesterday afternoon ahead of today's 9 a.m. Eastern time deadline in that 72-hour period the NFL had to appeal. So here is where we stand now. Because of this appeal agreed upon in the new collective bargaining agreement by both sides, the league and the PA, the NFL has the final determination here. They get that final say, the last word, if you will. Roger Goodell or somebody that he designates as the person to oversee this appeal process will have the final ruling. And whatever suspension is handed out, that will be final and binding. And as we got from reports yesterday, the National Football League is still looking for that full-year suspension of Deshaun Watson in 2022. Sue L. Robinson did not issue any monetary fine. The NFL is also looking for that monetary component. And whether it's Roger Goodell or that designee, that final say will be what the suspension is for Deshaun Watson. Now, the NFLPA and Deshaun Watson's camp could bring together a federal lawsuit. We'll talk about that with Dan Lust in just a couple of minutes that would bring along this process and drag it out. And maybe Deshaun Watson could play this year in 2022. However, I'm not a legal analyst, but just in my estimation, Deshaun Watson's base salary because Cleveland knew what they were getting into in bringing Deshaun Watson to the Browns organization, Deshaun Watson's base salary for 2022 is $1.035 million. If this process drags out and he is allowed to play in 2022, that is what he is set to make. However, his base salary for next year, 2023, is $46 million. We'll get to all the ramifications coming up. This is much more than just a football story. But of course, as we look at the football perspective and the odds here, Cleveland's team win total was at nine and a half following Judge Robinson's ruling. The under had the juice at minus 145. It is now all the way down to eight and a half for that win total for the Cleveland Browns in 2022. The legal ramifications and what's next in the appeal process up next here on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Yesterday afternoon, the National Football League filed its appeal to Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension and the ruling from Judge Sue L. Robinson. But this process is far from over. So what is next? We discuss that here, live on a Thursday on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. We now welcome on Dan Lust, one of the co-hosts of Conduct Detrimental, a great podcast covering everything sports law and a sports law professor at the New York Law School as well. So, Dan, thank you for joining us here once again. You were here on Monday in the immediate aftermath of Judge Robinson's ruling, now here on this Thursday morning following the appeal from the NFL. Thank you for joining us once again. 
My pleasure. I think if we check the tape, I did say I'd be shocked if the NFL did not appeal. And lo and behold, the NFL has appealed. So happy to be with you and breaking down this next phase of the Deshaun Watson saga. And that was the expectation. And it's all part of the process that was collectively bargained between both the league and the National Football League Players Association as well. So let's go through the timeline of this appeal, Dan, because as we look at it now, the NFL has filed its appeal. Either Roger Goodell or somebody he designates to oversee this appeals process will now make that final and binding determination of Deshaun Watson's suspension. So just from a timeline perspective, when can we expect to see the ruling of the appeal from the National Football League? Um, yeah, I think timeline-wise, we got to point out one sneaky thing the NFL did. Ben, I think last time I was on, I expect the NFL to appeal on Thursday, right? The uh, NFLPA has two days, two business days, to turn around and file their papers. So by filing on a Wednesday, the NFL's appeal, they forced the NFLPA to file their appeal papers by Friday. They don't give them the, uh, mm. the, the weekend to put papers together. So that's pretty interesting, right? Um, so I guess we'll figure this out, right? Goodell's going to have to appoint either himself or a designee. And we might have that as early as, um, you know, by Monday, Tuesday, a decision on who's going to hear the case. So I, I always have expected, right, a decision from Goodell to come before week one. How close we get to week one is really anyone's guess. But obviously the, the battlefield after that is the federal courts. But I, I think this decision as to how many games Roger Goodell is going to uh, or the designee to up the suspension to, I think we get that in the next week, two weeks, three weeks, relatively short amount of time, shorter than what it took, uh, obviously, Judge Robinson. So we know based on reporting around the NFL's appeal that the National Football League office is seeking that full year suspension for 2022 at a minimum for Deshaun Watson. But you mentioned the next stage of this process, the battlefield that might be a federal lawsuit. How much of a realistic possibility, Dan, do you believe that is that Deshaun Watson's camp, along with the NFLPA, could file a federal lawsuit based on what the NFL does in its appeal? So I'm, I'm told your audience are, are sports better. So I, let's let's talk about what happened here, right, with respect to the gamble that Watson took with respect to federal court and this thing carrying on. You know, in Watson, there was multiple reports that Watson was offered something in the range of a 12-game settlement before Judge Robinson issued her decision here. And that's obviously off of the number that you just mentioned, a indefinite suspension of at least one year. That's also what the NFL, at least at their maximum heights, was looking for. So Watson took a very big gamble here, right? He bet that two things would happen. We'll say it's a, a legal parlay, so to speak. He bet that, number one, Sue Robinson was going to issue a suspension of less than a year. So he got that part right. The other big gamble he took, right, was that the NFL was not going to appeal that suspension. So we all know the way uh, parlays work, right? He, if you don't win both legs of it, you lose it. So that's unfortunately yep. what happened here. And before Judge Robinson's decision came in, Watson's camp did say if he got a one-year suspension in any way, shape, or form, he would take the case to federal court. So he's kind of worked himself into a hole here, right? Uh, he, he said he's going to take the case up on federal court. Um, but, Ben, as you mentioned, uh, you know, I was watching the last segment. You explained this interesting calculus here, right, that Watson is working this year in 2022 on that $1 million salary. So, I don't know, if he misses six games right now, it's what's the math? It's like 350000 he could potentially lose. Yep. If the suspension carries over into 2023, all of a sudden, those game checks that he's missing are, are in the millions, right? That a six-game suspension could all of a sudden be, you know, $10 million, $15 million. So, I understand why the Browns and his agent structured the contract that way. But if he does take the, the case to federal court, which we should point out, there is a very strong likelihood, which happened in Tom Brady's deflate game, where mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson will seek that something called a temporary restraining order. It's a fancy way of saying uh, he, he'd like to stay the NFL suspension. He's going to hold it in abeyance right, for as long as that legal case is pending. Ben, you might ask me how long that legal case would take. 
Uh, some, some might say it could take a month, two months, but for Brady, right, that case lasted the entire length of the season. So very realistic possibility that that suspension carries over into 2023 if that's how long the court case takes. So that's why if I'm Watson, you have to be very careful about taking this thing to federal court because then it's not your million-dollar you know, base that's at risk. It's a $46 million base salary. So I can see the pros and the cons here of actually carrying through with that threat to take it to federal court. So a couple of follow-up questions, but first we'll point out then that as we look at the odds movement, we mentioned the Browns' win total for 2022 falling from 9.5 to 8.5. It might be that week one line for Cleveland's season debut on the road in Carolina that should be what you are monitoring from a market movement perspective. Imagine the storylines of a Panthers and Browns opener in Carolina where on the side of the Panthers stands Baker Mayfield against the guy who replaced him for the Cleveland Browns into Sean Watson. Right now, the Browns a slight one-point road favorite. We never assumed, Dan, Deshaun would be on the field suited up for that week one opener, but if this process drags out into federal court, that is a realistic possibility. So here's my first follow-up question, Dan, as it pertains to that potential federal lawsuit. Because both the NFL and the NFLPA collectively bargain this new independent arbiter process, do they have Deshaun Watson's camp, that is? Does that camp have a legal standing where they would be able to overturn whatever the suspension is that comes down in the NFL's appeal? Yeah, so it's, it's a great point. And I, I think to add to that fun week one storyline, you could have Deshaun Watson with an active lawsuit against the NFL in federal court just to, <laughs> just to make things fun, right? Um, yeah. so, so here's the thing. You, you pointed out, and I, and I will say there's another, um, you know, if you hang around me long enough, Ben, I'll give you all the legal expressions in the biz, right? Uh, anybody can sue anyone for anything. It's a complete separate question as to whether or not you're going to win. So I'm seeing some people right. go out there and, you know, no court is going to take the Deshaun Watson case. That's not really true, right? Watson controls in his own destiny whether or not he's going to take the case to federal court. But as you point out, Ben, right, winning cases is all about precedent. And, you know, the most recent precedent on the books is an important one. It's Tom Brady's case. It's Deflategate, which, mind you, the NFL won on. And what did that federal court look at? They looked at Roger Goodell's power to institute, right, that type of suspension. And really at, at its backbone is a collectively bargained for disciplinary process. This isn't something that the NFL just came up with and just forced down the union's throat. This was a collectively bargained for process between the NFLPA and the league. And they agreed to this system whereby an independent mm -hmm. arbiter would be appointed. But then at the end of that finish line, Roger Goodell would still be sitting there with the ability to either himself, you know, appoint himself the uh, the judge over these proceedings or appoint someone else. And he could just reinstitute, right, the, the sentence of 12 games a year. They actually agreed to that. So at the end of the day, right, a, a court is not going to overturn the rules of a private association, absent fraud or some other type of injustice. And I'm not sure that's been met here. So I, I don't know what's going to overturn that pretty clear Brady precedent. So again, another yeah. factor maybe for Watson to not take this thing to federal court, absent some type of new precedent to overturn what we saw happen with Tom Brady. And Dan, as you explained to me, even if that federal lawsuit is filed against the National Football League, it brings up the settlement process again between Watson's side and the league that if a full year suspension is what is handed down to Deshaun Watson, maybe because of those financial reasons we laid out for 2022 and beyond, Watson's camp tries to settle for 10 to 12 to 14 games. How realistic do you think we could see a settlement opportunity between Deshaun Watson's side and the National Football League? 
I mean, that week one storyline you spoke about, imagine if there's an active lawsuit week one with you know, Watson going after the NFL, and he can work a settlement that says, you know what, that year suspension that Roger Goodell just handed down to me, the up the suspension, I'll take 12 games, we'll call it a day. That's why for betters, right, I'd look at that week one game very closely. I understand why the season odds are moving up and down. I, I get that. But week one, I, I'm not sure you're hearing it anywhere else. I think there is a realistic possibility that Watson is on the field for week one while trying to work out a suspension, knowing that if that suspension and that court case carries on until 2023, that $46 million base is at risk. So look at look at those week one and week two lines. I think for betters, that, that's where there might be some value. There is so much more to this than just a football story. But of course, from that odds perspective, which we do here on the morning after, it's a great point by Dan Lust, the co-host of Conduct Detrimental with our good friend Daniel Wallach. You saw his tweets up there and a sports law professor as well. Dan Lust, thank you so much for your time and being here multiple times on the morning after throughout this week. More TMA up next here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. So after the NFL issued its appeal to Judge Sue L. Robinson's six-game suspension and her ruling for Deshaun Watson, we try to bring you all of the perspective and context here on the morning after, live on this Thursday on SportsGrid. Just last segment with Dan Lust, we brought the legal proceedings of what the timeline looks like for this appeals process and what clarity and finality we might soon have. Now we go to the Cleveland perspective, what it's like within the Browns fan base on this Thursday morning. Mac Robinson joins us here, a Cleveland sports personality, joining us on TMA and the host of the Hurry Up podcast covering all things Cleveland Browns. Mac, thank you so much for taking the time and what I'm sure has been a busy stretch to join us here on the morning after. Yeah, it's felt like the busiest stretch, but at the same time, the just chasing our tails because it's been the same yeah. news that everybody else has had and you know, trying to read tea leaves, what reports you have, who you can trust, reports you can't trust and you know from seeing stuff from seeing reports where you know the suspension is going to be lesser to now following along with some of the uh longer suspensions now now the nfl has appealed it's it's just been one wild goose chase after another when it comes to being a browns fan and just trying to keep track of it all i feel like uh you know charlie day working in the uh in the always sunny where i have the clipboard behind me trying to just yeah. pick out every single like storyline to possibly figure all this out mac you know i am a fan of my memes that one of charlie day in always sunny one of my favorites as well <laughs> it is very hard to paint the true picture of what this timeline has looked like both from the public reporting that we have seen the civil lawsuits that have gone against deshaun watson and of course now what the nfl and judge sue l robinson has ruled because Monday when that six game suspension was handed down, it seemed like there was some clarity, although we knew this process was far from over. Then yesterday afternoon, the NFL issues its appeal. Mac, as you would try to describe it, I think the analogy of chasing your tail is a good one. What is the mood within the Cleveland Browns fan base right now trying to follow everything that we have seen here surrounding Deshaun Watson's discipline? Well, you know, I think the biggest thing is that fans at this point, they just want, like you said, a little bit of clarity because, you know, for the longest time, you know, we heard about, oh, it's up to Ju Judge Sue L. Robinson. It's going to be Judge Robinson. And this is a new process. And 
at the same time, you know, with this being such a monumental case, and not only a monumental case, but the first one that we've seen where Sue Robinson had to make a decision, you know, again, this is a situation where this was, does the NFL go ahead and stick with their process that was collectively bargained with the NFLPA? And do they kind of let this process play out? Or do you go ahead and have Roger Goodell again come in and he doesn't necessarily agree with the, the ruling from Judge Robinson and go ahead and try to overrule that at that point? So, you know, at this point now, I think Browns fans just really want to see an end to this kind of, you know, I don't want to call it a debacle, but it's almost just been a, a ongoing situation that's been going on since, you know, last January at this point, last March. Uh, and now with the Browns being involved in it, it, it's to the point now where Browns fans just want to see the on-field product. We don't know yeah. what you're going to get. Obviously, you have Jacoby Brissett, who has started in the league, uh, you know, for the Indianapolis Colts, started last year for a few games for the Miami Dolphins. But you also don't know if if you're starting him six games. Browns fans are comfortable with that. But at the same time, if you're starting him for I don't know, 12 games the entire season. Yeah, that's definitely less than ideal at this point. So, you know, I, I look at it and I, I just don't know what to expect when it comes to this Browns team because of the fact that I don't know how many games Deshaun Watson's going to play. And if, if this ends up going to federal court, there's a chance that you could see Baker Mayfield against Deshaun Watson in week one. So, you know, I, I have no idea what to expect when it comes to this team. And, Mac, at one point, the idea that Deshaun could face off against Baker actually on the gridiron week number one felt like the only thing we knew for certain wasn't going to happen. Now it <laughs> might be one of the more realistic possibilities that we see for the Cleveland Browns in 2022. We have an actual NFL football game today, a preseason game, the Hall of Fame game between the Raiders and the Jags. You can understand from that football perspective, although this is much more than a football story, for the Browns fan base, they just want to focus on the depth chart and the X's and O's and knowing who's going to be actually playing for Cleveland this upcoming season. And Mac, we've seen that represented in the win total for the Browns. It was nine and a half with the underjuiced at minus 145 following Judge Robinson's ruling on Monday morning. But then as the NFL issued its appeal yesterday, that number dropped to eight and a half for a win total for Cleveland in 2022. With all the uncertainty around Deshaun Watson, do you think eight and a half for a win total for the Cleveland Browns for this upcoming season is a fair number? You know, I, I would say yes, but at the same time, I don't feel good about it. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I think that there's so much uncertainty surrounding this team. The talent level is there. Like, uh, again, I know that, you know, the wide receiver room isn't necessarily the most experienced, but, you know, the, the team likes Donovan Peoples-Jones quite a bit this year. Uh, and thinks that he can kind of take that leap. But at the same time, you know, you have Amari Cooper, you have David Njoku, who, you know, again, I think that they've been waiting for that breakout. But, I mean, if, if Deshaun Watts can make Darren Fells look good at age 34, I think that, you know, David Njoku at 26 is going to be perfectly fine there. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I don't know because of the fact that so much surrounds that quarterback position especially. I know Browns fans have seen it over the last 30 years plus. Uh, so at this point, you know, it's a situation where you're kind of monitoring how does that quarterback position kind of play out? Because at that point, if you're asking Jacoby Brissett to come in, that's playing more of that game changer type of a role. And, you know, I don't necessarily feel comfortable with him starting for the entire season. So, you know, with that being said, I mean, eight and a half games, it's okay. It's, 
as yeah. borderline as I can possibly play it. But, you know, that's kind of how I have to kind of look at it when it comes to this Brown season is that there's a lot of uncertainty despite having a, a pretty loaded roster and a majority of the players coming back from last year. I think it's a great point. And Mac Robinson is joining us here on the morning after a Cleveland sports personality, the host of the Hurry Up podcast covering the Browns organization. And Mac, I know it's a very difficult thing to do, but let's throw Deshaun Watson out of the equation for the Browns, at least to start 2022 for right now. You mentioned the talent on the roster throughout. As we look at the Browns odds, they're even money right now, plus 100 to make the postseason. They have the third best price to win the AFC North. They are 14 to one win an AFC championship the market working against them just slightly the rest of the roster how good will they need to be in the absence potentially of Deshaun Watson to have a shot to compete for a playoff spot in the AFC they're going to need to be on their they're going to need to be on their best behavior at least and it's going to have to be the top uh performances that you see from these guys Miles Garrett obviously you know the expectations are high for him but on top of it, you're going to have to get a lot of what you got out of Jadevian Clowney last year. You know, last year, Jadevian Clowney was somebody who was able to, you know, put together one of his best pass rushing seasons since he had J.J. Watt opposite of him. And on top of that, you know, you look at that defensive backfield. You know, you have to stay healthy. Denzel Ward, $100 million man with the Cleveland Browns now at this point. And you mix in the fact that, you know, they have Greg Newsom, who again played very well. Greedy Williams, he played the best that we've seen since he was at LSU. And so you combine all that together, that defense is going to need to shoulder a majority of the burden this year when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. And on offense, I mean, it's going to have to be kind of business as usual when it comes to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They're going to have to carry the majority of that offense. And honestly, now you're putting more expectations on some of those younger wide receivers. David Bell selected in round three. He's somebody who's going to have to step up uh, as that slot receiver this year. And then I mentioned Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's going to have to go ahead and meet those expectations and then some for that wide receiver too, opposite of Amari Cooper. Again, it's everybody that's going to have to shoulder that load and it just makes it that much tougher and that much of a, a razor thin line because of, like you mentioned, that AFC is absolutely loaded at this point. Yeah. You know, between Russell Wilson and Denver, you know, you already have Von Miller going over to the Buffalo Bills. You know, this is a loaded conference at this point. The Browns just need to keep up at this point. When it comes to, you know, putting together all of these guys and putting together this absolutely loaded roster. That even money price for Cleveland plus 100 to make the postseason the ninth best odds right now out of the AFC. If you just did it based on the playoff picture and the numbers, Cleveland would be on the outside looking in at a wild card spot. So, Mac, you have mentioned it. The talent on the defensive side of the football. Miles Garrett is the betting favorite to win defensive player of the year. But let's say it's Jacoby Brissett under center for a good portion of this 2022 NFL season. Do you think Cleveland has enough on offense to be competitive for an AFC North Divisional Championship? I think it will be difficult. I think that they have enough offensive potential on the outside that I think that you should be set up for success because of the fact that, look, this is the best uh, supporting cast that Jacoby Brissett's ever had. You know, I, I know that in, in Indianapolis, he had a lot of talent surrounding him. But at the same time, again, you know, you mix in somebody like an Amari Cooper. He hasn't had that on the outside. And then the running game, you know, he hasn't had anybody on Kareem Hunt's level, let alone Nick Chubb, who I still stand by is the best pure running back in the NFL. So, you know, looking at this group, and I haven't even mentioned the offensive line. So, you know, you mix together that entire group. And I think that they have enough offensive firepower to at least be competitive. 
But at the same time, mixing together what you see in Cincinnati and the improvements that you've seen there, and then you also have the improvements that we've seen, uh, you know, when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens at this point, I think that there's it's an interesting group between those two. So the Browns are going to need to be at their best performance when it comes to competing, not only in the AFC, but in the AFC North as well. Within that division, which Cincinnati won last year, the market is moving and slightly against the Browns right now. The Ravens, the favorites at plus 160, the Bengals plus 180, and Cleveland at 3-1. to one. Mac Robinson, a Cleveland sports personality, breaking it down to the best of his ability here, the best that anybody can do <laughs> with all of the uncertainty around Deshaun Watson for 2022. Mac, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, Ben. Appreciate the time. There is an actual NFL football game today, the Hall of Fame game. We break it down next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's a football Thursday, live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. There is an actual professional football game tonight in the National Football League. The Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio, between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Las Vegas Raiders. If it's a football Thursday, and there's something close to Thursday night football, even in the preseason, that can only mean one thing on TMA. FanDuel's Ryan Williams. Our dubs as we know him, a future proud new father, is here on the morning after. Ryan, congratulations to you and your wife. A baby due at the end of 2022 and a football game to preview today. A lot going on, a lot to be excited about in the life of Ryan Williams. Yes, yes. We're, ben, welcome back, uh, by the way. Uh, nice to be chopping it up with you again. But yes, you know, we planted, you know, basically on the tail end of football season, right? So I'm able right. to get my my pretty much last football season uh, uninterrupted, as I should say. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely excited about that. I appreciate the shout out, Benny. Of course, of course. So now let's focus on the Hall of Fame game tonight. What we know from a roster perspective, Doug Peterson let us know earlier this week, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne would not be playing tonight. C.J. Beathard, also not going to play. It's the Jake Luton show for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think on the Raiders side, you can expect to not see a lot of starters there as well. However, Las Vegas is a two and a half point favorite against Jacksonville. R-dubs, the total yesterday was 29 and a half, but it's on a slight rise this morning to 30 in a hook. 30 and a half for a total. Ryan, that's even a Wisconsin-Iowa total they couldn't even get close to. A Big Ten football <laughs> game looks high scoring compared to 30 and a half for the Hall of Fame game. Where does your eye go first when you start to preview this matchup between the Raiders and the Jaguars? Yeah, well, you definitely have to look at the line there, which, you know, I, I think it on the gr graphic it said the Jaguars were favored, but I believe that that changed now uh, with Lawrence and ETN already being ruled out and, and you're looking at uh, the Raiders who are favored in this game. That's where you got to look first. I mean, they have two quarterbacks who, you know, say what you will about Nick Mullins and Jarrett Stidham, but they at least have some NFL game experience behind them. Um, and might not have been great, but they're going to be seeing, you know, second stringers, third stringers, what have you. Um, and Jake Lutton being out there, you know, he Luton, he's he's not going to, you know, he, he's going to get most of the run. 
but he's not as well versed in NFL games as these other two guys. You also have a guy in Josh McDaniels. You know, he comes from the Bill Belichick kind of hierarchy there where where he's going to play aggressive. I don't think that the starters necessarily will play, but I think that there's going to be more big name players that play for the Raiders than people are expecting. So definitely looking at the line, I am actually surprised by the total moving a lot. We're seeing the weather in Canton, not looking that great. Um, so we could get some rain there. Uh, and we know that preseason totals, they, they usually go under the lines of what they're set at. I mean, this game was set, um, within the low thirties, not too long ago, being bet all the way down. Now being bet back up, I think that's interesting. Um, I, I probably wouldn't stay away on the on the over under there just because of where it's at. I mean, twenty nine in the hook, thirty in the hook doesn't make you feel great. But if it starts to creep up a little bit more, I'd be interested in that going under. Most yeah, most preseason games will have the full week one slate next week. Right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook, there's right. about 14, 15 games that have odds available, and those totals are small as it is as especially as it compares to regular season matchups they're around 33 33 and a hook 34 so it's not crazy but 29 and a half would be the smallest total for a hall of fame game since the turn of the millennium in 2000 that's about 18 19 games worth of a sample size it is up by one point now to 30 and a half but our dubs this opened at 33 and a half and has come right. all the way down to 30 and a hook last year hall of fame game the Pittsburgh Steelers won 16 to 3. So it stayed well under even this low number of 29 and a hook. When you're the casual sports better and you see a football game with 29 and a half, it just begs you to take the over. Would you advise that as the play tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, w I would. I would proceed with caution. I mean, now the biggest thing about preseason and just betting in general is you have to know who's going to be out there, who's going to dress up. If we get word that the Raiders are actually, they are going to be aggressive and we start seeing guys, you know, like Keelan Cole, who's been a preseason darling in years past, who's thought to be the wide receiver, you know, three on, on this team. Uh, if we see like Zamir White, the running back playing for the Raiders, if we see the Jaguars are going to get LaVisca Chanel, you know, going and things like that. I mean, guys who we know that can ball then i'd be more apt to be looking at the over granted that it doesn't get back up to that 33 and a half number um but it's just one of those things you just have to constantly be monitoring preseason because these these coaches while we tend to see them keep things close to the vest when it comes to regular season like these guys are excited for for preseason we got doug peterson there he's trying to you know prove that he's this authoritarian figure who you know is going to write the ship like i said josh mcdaniel i mean josh mcdaniels and this is an any secret everybody's been talking about it this guy played football in canton he's from this area he's excited yep. to be back there and have his team playing there so he's gonna you know he's gonna have something to say about the raiders you know playing uh playing lights out so you so you say in this game so uh i'm, I'm interested in this game but i still would be wary of the total unless we see some big names playing and potentially a few storms might be expected tonight in the Canton, Ohio area. So also pay attention to that weather report. If it gets a little sloppy, maybe that keeps us under a low total now at 30 and a half. Since 2010, this number of 30 and a half, five Hall of Fame games would have gone under, including the last two years, 2021 and 2019. Four would have gone over 20 in a hook or 30 in a hook, excuse me. So as we look at these teams, Ryan, like you mentioned, 
we might not see the stars tonight, like Derek Carr and Devontae Adams for the Las Vegas Raiders. Or we know we will not see Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. But as we go big picture here and look at the season for the Raiders, as they say, the autumn wind is a Raider. Yet the expectation for a playoff team last year in 2022 is not another postseason berth, maybe because of how competitive the AFC West is expected to be. But R-Dubs, you see that win total for Las Vegas at only eight and a half. Do you think the market is undervaluing the Raiders entering 2022? I, I, I do. I mean, and, and, you know, I guess don't blame the market so much just because of these are the Raiders. Um, and they, they tend to always find themselves, you know, either it comes down to a game where you potentially need to, to, to win or tie uh, with the Chargers in, in week 17, or they just somehow, you know, aren't able to write the ship. But I think Josh McDaniels, you know, this being his second time being a head coach and everything that went wrong, his first in in Denver, I think he has a lot to prove. We've seen them go out and be a aggressive i mean you know it's unfortunate that a lot of their defensive players in the front seven are really banged up right now but nobody who's expected at least from my knowledge to miss significant amount of time so it's it's yeah. unfortunate they won't get much preseason run or practice run but you know come regular season i think their defense is going to be shored up obviously with the signing of Devonte adams i think that Derek carr you know is i mean listen yeah. pe people you know smarter than me you know have tickets holding Derek carr as mvp i mean they do have the potential they play in the tough division in football if they somehow are able to you know make waves there and can win some of their non-divisional games like yeah i mean eight and a half is way too low in a 17 game season so the, these are the type of te teams that you want to be in on because it, once things start going well for them during the regular season these numbers are going to change dramatically that plus 170 price for las vegas to reach the postseason the fifth longest odds right. in the afc the Raiders were a playoff team last year in 2021 who won 10 regular season games. Just something to keep in mind. We flashed the stats for Devontae Adams, his first year now in the desert. No longer playing with Aaron Rodgers, but his former college teammate and good buddy, Derek Carr. We know Devontae Adams, Ryan, is one of the three best receivers in the NFL. You could make an argument for who is one of one. How good do you think Devontae Adams can be with Las Vegas? I think he can. I, I think he can be j just as good as he was with uh, with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, look at what ha look at the Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow factor there. I, you know, these are younger guys. I, I get that, but I mean, there's something to be said about a college quarterback and their college wide receiver. You know, linking up. I mean, these guys have a history, and there's no surprise that this is a team that Devontae Adams wanted to go to. There's no surprise that he's been, you know, hyping Derek Carr up uh, tremendously in, in, you know, pressers that he has. He, he, we know what the talent is. I just don't understand, you know, in the past, yeah, wide receivers switching to new teams uh, wasn't really paying off dividends, but with the likes of Stefan Diggs going to Buffalo and others, you know, going into new spots, favorable spots. I think that he's going to be prime. I, you know, definitely looking at him leading the league in touchdowns. I think that's a nice bet considering his red zone usage in the past and what they're doing there um, in a new regime. You know, they might not be giving Josh Jacobs the ball on the goal line. So uh, definitely, definitely like any props that we can get Devontae Adams of when he's not being treated like one of the best wide receivers in the game. We know that Devontae Adams thinks his quarterback, Derek Carr, could potentially be a Hall of Famer. We'll hold our judgment for the moment. But, Ryan, I ask you, 
Is Derek Carr a top 10 quarterback in the National Football League in your estimation? Oh, ben, you're putting me on the spot here. Uh, yeah, I, am, I mean, yes. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not willing to go there quite just yet, but I think that this is definitely going to be the, the prove it year for Derek Carr. Like whatever, whatever side of the fence you've been on with Derek Carr, like this is going to be absolutely the year. This offense is definitely catered to his strengths. And I think, you know, Josh McDaniels, you know, kind of being the offensive coordinator that he had been in the past, like he's going to set him up for successes. So I, I can't put it there yet. I want to see it, you know, I want to see it for, with my own eyes uh, for a period of time. But I think that, you know, definitely taking some shots on him uh, to be MVP this year at where the odds are. Um, are something that something that's interesting to me because the way the way that this team sets up, it, it would not surprise me if they can make some noise down the stretch. Fringe level top ten is where we will put Derek Carr at this moment, and he'll have to go over these numbers that you see on your screen, and maybe be in that MVP conversation, given how difficult the AFC is going to be if Las Vegas wants to reach the postseason. By the way, four thousand four hundred and a half. For the passing yards prop, Derek Carr well over that last year. More than 4,800 passing yards, but 29 and a half from a passing touchdown season-long prop, only over once in his NFL career, his second year in the league. Now let's flip it to the Jacksonville Jaguars side. Ryan Williams, year number two for Trevor Lawrence. A disappointing rookie campaign, but when your head coach is Urban Meyer, hey, who can blame the guy? What's the optimism in your mind for Jacksonville entering 2022 with a new head coach in Doug Peterson in his second year in the league for quarterback Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, I'm st I think the verdict is still out. I, I think that the, the rookie year, albeit, you, you know, Urban Meyer definitely left a dark cloud over this team, but I still think the verdict's out on Trevor Lawrence and, and just, you know, what what he can do as far as being a franchise quarterback. Now, that being said, you know, they're getting, you know, pieces back on offense. I'm, Travis Etienne being one of those guys. Um, you know, we talked about injury not too long ago about being, you know, comeback player of the year. I don't think he'll he'll get that, but I think that he's definitely going to help things out. You're looking at James Robinson there coming off the Achilles, but not being on the PUP list. You definitely love that. Um, I think this. I think they're going to make some strides, and you like what Doug Peterson did when he was first there at Philly, and you know, taking this team, taking the Eagles to a Super Bowl, you know, in his first two years as a head coach. So he he's definitely going to set this team up for success, and they play in a division where you know that's definitely favorable. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Football. Today, on this Thursday, an actual NFL football game on the field. If you tell me it's preseason, I will ask you to kindly shut your mouth because it's a football game we get to break down and watch tonight. Anytime you can watch football, it feels like we have arrived. And that's how it feels on this Thursday, live on the morning after on SportsGrid. We round out our number one right now to preview the Hall of Fame game tonight in Canton, Ohio, between the Las Vegas Raiders, a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The total this morning was 29-and-a-half. Now it's 30 
in a hook. I know all of you are craving to place a football bet. So what is the best one you can make for tonight's Hall of Fame game? We asked you that in Fade the Public. What is the best bet tonight? Are we going side or are we going total? And I'm talking spread. No money line for me, please. The Las Vegas Raiders laying two and a half points as the favorites tonight against the Jaguars, booked as the two and a half point underdog. A total this morning at 29 and a half, down from the opener at 33 and a hook, but back up slightly right now to 30 and a half live on the FanDuel Sportsbook. So what is the best bet of those four options? Raiders as the favorites, Jags as the dogs, over 29 and a half or 30 and a half, or under 29 and a half, 30 and a half. I'm proud of the 27 and a half percent of you that said under 29 and a half percent. That's where I'm going. That's what my heart leads me to as a Big Ten football aficionado. But most of the public back in the Raiders tonight laying nearly a field goal, two and a half points as the favorites right now. I'm just glad we got this much response at our Fade the Public poll at Sports Grid TV on Twitter. There is an actual football game tonight. An offseason of moves and trades and free agency signings and drama and off-the-field issues, speculation, all of that coming to a head certainly here as training camp continues in its second week, but an actual football game tonight. Rejoice. Hour number two of the morning after is up next after commercial break.